All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 231 of the DFO Rundown, a special edition uh, brought to you by Batano 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli coming to you live from Nashville. The NHL entry draft goes tonight, Frank. Uh, We've had a lot of trades leading up to this. We'll get to some of those trades. Kind of head scratchers to me, a few of them for sure. But uh, now a lot of the focus today uh, will be on the first round. Of course, uh, Connor Bedard is going number one. That's a no brainer. Everybody knows that. Breaking news. Yeah. After that, it's where it gets intriguing. To me, and I, and I think you know Matt Bay Mitchkoff is without question in my mind the uh, the big wild card here. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Anaheim Ducks, I would take him at number two. You think they will? Ooh, that is where some of the intrigue is because I can tell you, Jason, that there were scouts and teams buzzing on Tuesday night in Nashville on Lower Broadway, essentially saying, "Hey, there's a lot of chatter out there that the Ducks." might take Mitchkoff at number two. And look, anything's possible. I will say, though, and take every single thing that you hear at this time of year with a grain of salt, but I will say that Pat Verbeek has said publicly and openly that they're taking a center. Yeah. Could be misdirection. I also think Pat Verbeek is very much like Steve Eiserman, does not give a bleep. And wouldn't be afraid to just totally turn everything on its head and, and go with Meechkoff at number two. Personally, as good as he is, 
I think it's really hard to bypass Fantilli. Historic season at Michigan. 30-plus goals as a true freshman. Really good player. Yep. And has an edge to him and a little bit of nastiness and size. Yeah, it's funny that Columbus, uh, well, as of yesterday. And as a center. Yeah, and they, they haven't even spoke to uh, to Michkov. So if, if Fantilli goes too, you wouldn't think Columbus is going to take Michkov unless they already oh, talked to him before. Do you know how happy Columbus is going to be if that ends up happening? Yeah. Anaheim goes Michkov? Oh, yeah, because then they take Fantilli. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, like to me, if the Ducks want to take Fantilli, I think it's a strong argument on why you would take him. I just think when you get to the San Jose Sharks at number four, I think there's a lot of reasons why Meechkoff makes sense when you look at the direction the organization's going. To me, they're entering kind of a long, painful rebuild here in San Jose. Now, maybe maybe they don't want to admit it yet, but because they've got some veterans signed to long-term deals that are some hard ones to trade for sure. But I just Meechkoff to me is is highly highly entertaining to watch. Uh, it's very intriguing to see what the teams are going to do and you know this year because of the lack of views I've talked to a lot of scouts and scouts like to have the in-person live views. It, it you know you can watch on video and stuff but there is still something about the art of watching live seeing players over and over again. And so I, I do wonder if there's some uncertainty there that they're not as confident because they haven't seen the players often as they usually would. I don't, I mean, I just think the technology in the video now is easy enough to, to really get a good grasp. Like, I think what they were missing more than anything was the element of the kid. That just meeting the kid and talking I think, to him. I think that, I don't know if there were fears because there was so much rumor and innuendo out there, but I think now teams feel a lot more comfortable. So let's back up after, because it's not just where, where Mishkov will go. That's important. But I'm told that the Montreal Canadiens are spending Wednesday's lead up to round one weighing to potentially move number five overall. So trade down. So I think this is going to be one of those things that's draft board dependent. Yep. Who does go and in what order. And... If the Canadians have their sights set on one player in particular that they'd really value above all else, and that player is still on the board, I think clearly they're going to keep it. But I'm told that Kent Hughes is deliberating and his crew over as many as five different offers for that number five overall pick with teams that are looking to make a move up the draft board. So they're they're weighing a lot. Um Again, not saying it's going to happen. These picks are rarely traded. Yep. But to swap down to seven or eight or whatever it might be, and if the Canadians can still get a player that they feel is an impact guy and add that surplus value to their organization, I think that's something that they're really trying to figure out what they want to do. I'm interested to see, are we going to see any teams trade out of the top 10 for a player? Because that that's happened more more like, you know, you, you've had the, you know, you go to Jeff Carter, you, you know, you go to Bo Horvat uh, when he was drafted in the Vancouver trade him to get to Corey Schneider, right? Like we've seen picks seven, eight, nine traded for players before. Are you hearing anything on Mark Shifley? Honestly, I think the Jets were so focused on Pierre-Luc Dubois that, and getting that done, that they really, you know, that was back burner. They were also trying to figure out what to do with Wheeler and now it's Hellebuck. And so 
Shifley, I think the market is pretty significant. I think that they're weighing a bunch of different things too, but had a better idea of how to execute that. And it's also a lot easier to execute than the Dubois deal. And you look at the, uh, now, why do you think it's easier to execute? Well, because Dubois was, you know, Shifley can do a lot of the same in terms of directing where he wants to go and where he wants to re-sign. I, I just think the market of teams that are in on Mark Shifley is a lot bigger than that was in on Dubois. And the reason for that is the contract, the next one, probably not going to be as expensive as what Dubois got. Uh, be real curious to see. You think Shifley's next deal is going to be lower than 8.5 mil? I mean, I, th- I think so because hmm. he's older. Interesting. He's 30. He turns 31 next yeah. season. And his numbers obviously have been unbelievable on this deal, but Dubois is still on the up curve of that. He just turned 25. Yeah. I really like that trade for Winnipeg, to be honest. I thought they did really well. Because everybody knew the guy was, if he was signing with you, would have signed a one-year deal and he's walking a free agency. You get Velarde, you get Kupari, you get a second-round pick, and you get Aya follow. I like that deal a lot for Winnipeg, considering the circumstances. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand why they did it. First off, it's really hard for them to get players in free agency, so mm-hmm. they have to do it via trade. Three, uh, two, you know, the the market was limited. E- you know, even the Montreal Canadiens found out, you know, earlier this week that Dubois had picked L.A. Like that's the place that he told the Jets he wanted to go. And once that happened, you know, things were kind of set in motion. The The Kings also obviously then needed to pay him, which is significantly expensive. And then the other part of it, too, is, um, you know, when you look at, you know, this trade and how it unfolded. Personally, I'm a fan if you're if you're making a deal to get quality over quantity. And I feel like. You know, in this case, again, I understand why the Jets did it. They're going to have multiple holes to fill on their roster and they want to be competitive. But I'd like to get one really quality, good piece if I can, as opposed to three. Yeah, that's fair. I guess it all depends on how, like, I'm pretty high on Gabe Velarde. I think Gabe Velarde's a guy that still has, you talked about Dubois is on the up curve. I still think uh, Velarde's got lots of room to grow. Yeah. And I don't think it is overall game. Jets and Velarde have had any contract talks yet. Yeah. So um, now, Shifley is a name that's still out there, of course, to be moved. The Detroit Red Wings. We've got a new number one on the trade targets board that's getting posted today at dailyfaceoff.com. Alex DeBrinket. Detroit Red Wings. I do think the Red Wings have significant interest. And I also think the fact that they have two first round picks, nine and 17, that you could take that 17 and use it as part of a package. Another player who was added to our trade targets board today was Philip Zadina. Not exactly a shock. Uh, had no stranger to the trade targets board. He was on it um, previously. But one of those guys um, that I think teams are still kind of intrigued at, given his pedigree, can he be a guy that's a you know a high-volume shooter scorer in this league? Yeah, there's a player that, you know what, I, I could see him being dealt for a mid-round pick on day two. I think what my point is, he would be part yeah, of the part package. Yeah, part of the package. Well, if you're Ottawa, why not? Like, take a flyer on 
you know, get some picks, but also get a player that you might be able to squeeze something out of. Yeah. I wonder how Ottawa looks at that because last year they gave up the seventh and they, you know, they sort of, they gave up a, the They're seventh, trying to the recoup second, as and the much yeah. as possible. So they want to get close to that, right? As so, many cents on the dollar. hundred percent. So, uh, and I just, I think Detroit, they feel like they got to take a step this year. I do think they're feeling a little pressure to yeah. do that, that we're in like literally year eight now. You, you've said it. Oh, yeah. Eight years, man. For most rebuilds, like it is, it's painful and a long time. So Detroit to me is just the one team when I, tonight, when the pick comes around for them, I wonder if that number nine pick is up for trades. And like when I look at. I don't at, think the nine is. Yeah. I, I mean, at least to my, unless they're doing something way bigger. I don't think the nine is. I would I would assume it's the seventeen. Yeah, because I, I just look at like to me, Winnipeg and Boston make a lot. Uh, sorry, Detroit and Boston make a lot of sense for Shifley for me. I just I don't know what they, I understand. The Boston, Boston doesn't have center the return, part of it. They just the don't, they don't have the return or yeah. the cap space. Yeah, well, I know that's they got. Some, well, you know what though? What if if you know you're trading Hellebuck? What if it's Swayman and Carlo? Because you need a goalie in Winnipeg, right? If you're trading Hellebuck, you need a goalie. Right. So then you're saying Boston just go get a lesser expensive goalie to play in tandem with Olmark. 100%. Hmm. I just want to run through a couple other names that we have a- added to the trade targets board today. Uh, Jeff Petrie from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Kyle Dubas is looking to not just, I think, create a little bit more cap flexibility. I think he'd also like to see his team get younger. Yeah. So I think uh, Petrie with two years left at six to five uh, has been on the market. Uh, Zach Bogosian from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, cheap or inexpensive right shot defenseman that could play on your third pair. Uh, has Stanley Cup experience and pedigree. Uh, we talked about Zadina. Anthony Duclair from the Florida Panthers. One more year at three million bucks before becoming a UFA, coming off of the season, of course, where he had the um, Achilles tear and, and made his way back. And earlier in the week, we added Will Borgen from the Seattle Kraken. I think he's a fascinating player to watch. I think he's sort of, you know, pretty expensive commodity for the the Kraken to want to keep. And I, I know there's been a number of teams that are trying to get their hands on him on the back end. They think he can go from 900,000 to, you know, potentially a $3 million player in short order. And um, he's one, but also added Morgan geeky to the board today from the Kraken up front. Uh, it's, and that's coming out uh, later today. Yeah. In a matter of as soon as, as soon as you stop uh, talking my ear off over here, I'll, <laughs> I'll get to work. Yeah. So we, it's always interesting when you lead to the draft, like the round one, obviously it goes long. Um, it comes in every year. And I like what you said, Hey, you know, Montreal's considering it. It rarely happens. We don't see a ton of, of trade downs from top 10. You see more guys just trading out of the, uh, the top 10 for established players. That's happened more. There's been a few times, you know, five went to seven. I think the Islanders and the Leafs a few, you know, many years ago that's happened, but it's not a whole bunch of those historically. So because teams, you look and say, okay, if we go five to seven, we got to get something that makes us really confident that we get the guy that we like at seven. So that's always, I find what makes those trades a little bit more difficult. Whereas if you just trade out and you get an established player, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. I don't think Montreal is at the place where they can do that yet. No, I agree with you. Right. Like they might trade down, but they think they can get some, uh, my guess, and this is just a pure hypothetical is 
they think they could get someone of the same value at five that they could at to them on their chart at, at seven. seven, eight, yeah. nine, whatever that might be. And whereas someone else might value another piece at five that they don't. What did you make of the new hook trade? For the first and second, but now granted a late first, it's we should 31st be first overall and 37th. 37th. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've seen some people say that they think that's a lot. Um, I happen to like new hook and his game. And I think he's one of those guys that can continue to grow. And I also think when you look at the position he was in, in Colorado, you come into that team as a first round pick, people are expecting a lot. Sometimes it takes you getting to that second destination even though the pressure is not going to be less in Montreal, given the price paid for him and given that market, the idea that you don't have the weight on you anymore of being that team's first round pick that you feel like you had to fulfill on or, or, or do. And I think sometimes that wears on guys. It can wear on guys for sure. Um, you know, he's had two years of, of 30 points, 13, 14 goals. I think Montreal definitely gave up a lot for the potential of what they think. And we'll see if he does. My concern is Montreal has a lot of similar size players. And I wonder, you know, long-term if that's the benefit. Now, Newhook's going to get more opportunity in Montreal than he ever had in Colorado, right? Like Colorado, the years they won the cup, man, like <laughs> their top six was one of the best top six we've seen in a long time. Here's one thing to keep in mind. Alex Newhook, his agent is Paul Capizano from Cortex. Ken Hughes used to work at Cortex. Yeah. And Kent Hughes, I forget, he might have even represented Alex Newhook. So really, he might. He, they're the same agency. A lot of yeah. the clients that had that were um, Kent's got they got, all got divvied up. Yeah. Right? Okay. So either way, being in the in that same organization, he knows Alex Newhook intimately and would know exactly what makes him tick and the type of player he is. He did the same thing previously with Mike Matheson. Like, he, you know, you go out and get players that you're familiar with. And if he's willing to bet those assets on that guy that he knows so well, my guess is he's doing it for pretty good reason. Uh, what do you make of the uh, Flames trade with uh, Toffoli going to New Jersey? And, you know, Toffoli's comments afterwards saying, you know, hey, I was interested in re-signing, but there wasn't a contract extension offer. So then he offered to be traded. And I actually kind of understand the Flames viewpoint on that. I don't think they could extend all of their guys. They just get too old, right? They'd have a lot of similar players in that in that 30-year-old range are getting extensions. Well, that and also he wasn't their number one priority. Their focus has been squarely on Lindholm and trying to get him done. And then I think the next on their list to tackle was, believe it or not, Michael Backlund, given what he's meant to the organization and as a leader. So I think Toffoli was offended by, you know, the pecking order. Yeah. But also then the fact that the Flames weren't like they did have conversations. Like, was there a specific offer no, but if you're talking parameters of the deal, like yeah. they knew exactly where the flames were and what they were willing to give. And the term was short. So he's also coming off of a career high year yeah. that's sort of vastly exceeded um, his previous career norms. I I think they sold at least while the value was pretty high. And, and again, their goal was not to get picks. It was to get roster players. Yeah. So like, I think, could could for Toffoli, could they have gotten back another late first round pick for him? I, 
I think so. Yeah. But they valued getting yeah, a player not- that that's under team control more than that. Yeah. Sharon Govich is going to come in. He's a legit top nine four. There's yeah, no question be a about great it. third line player. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, I know some people in Calgary, I think they might've overvalued reading some of the comments on what, what to Foley's value was around the league at this point. Like, um, I'm not sure, as you mentioned, you know, the career years. Now, lots of guys had career years last year because offense is up in the NHL. And if offense continues to be up, then, you know, some guys might have a better chance of of coming close to the, the offensive numbers they put up last year. But I look at I look at that trade like I like it for New Jersey, right? They get they're a team that's wanting to compete to fully. The one thing he's a proven playoff performer, shows up in the postseason. He has lots of experience, won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, they, they have a lot of younger guys, right? I think Sharon Govich was a guy that they could easily get rid of, right? Like you've got Hughes, you've got Dawson Mercer, right? They're going to resign Timo Meyer here uh, relatively quickly. So I think they kind of had a lot of their guys going. So I don't mind this trade from New Jersey. I think it shows that they feel like they're in a position where they want to move forward. Yeah. You want to wrap quickly by talking about Eric Carlson and the Sharks? Feels like now or never. Who though? Where's it going? Because I was sitting down with a piece of paper and I'm trying to figure out the teams. There's not a lot. So the, the reported interested teams um, included the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I can't, I could, I could see, I guess, if you knew one of your core four pieces wasn't coming back, maybe you can find the wiggle room or, or maybe if you traded, you know, Matt Murray, like you were able to dump all of your bad contracts, Matt Murray and. Was Matt Murray just going to be on LTIR though all year? I I think that's the plan, but like, let's say, I don't like just think of the other cap space you'd need to carve out in order to make it happen. Brody, yeah. you'd probably have to put together a package that eats up a chunk of, um, a chunk of that. So I, I, I mean, I think it's more just the idea of Brad tree living, continuing to kick tires. Cause that's what he does. He, he gauges, um, the market on just about everyone. So, you know, I don't know where it goes, but I wonder the only other team that I can really kind of see for Carlson and I'm curious about, and I haven't heard or seen them talked about much is the Seattle Kraken that I think you can make it work cap space wise. Yeah. Without a doubt. I just don't know. What are they willing to pay to get him? Well, that <laughs> I'm told the sharks have not shown much of an interest in retaining anything more than 20%. Yes. I keep hearing that number too. So now when you look at the season Carlson had, there's some validity there, right? Because if they're going to retain, you know, four plus million, all of a sudden you're like, wow, this guy's a steal. Cause if Carlson, you know, what would he get on the open market today? If he was a UFA, probably get nine mil. I mean, it all comes on a four year. Yeah. But Four, he has four years left, right? So I can see why the Sharks are saying, hey, yeah, you're going to get the player. You're going to get him for four years at $9 million. His value's never been higher. No. And it's if he comes back with a 60-point season even, he's never going to be tradable. Like, I think if Seattle's trading him, I would assume Justin Schultz is going out, right? It's a right shot D-man as Carlson comes in. Plus, you know, they got to trade some cap space, I would think. He's got a year left, three million bucks. So Seattle's an interesting one for me. I think, you know, they need 
they need an, they need more like proven offensive guys. I think that's fair to say. And obviously Carlson will bring that, you know, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexak, they got some good defensive defensemen. So Seattle makes sense. That's uh that would be a big trade. And I'm, I'm very curious to see. I know Carlson has, has talked openly about it. You know, he's, he's made it clear. He'd like to get traded. I, I think if there's a team out there that makes it work, but um, I'm fascinated to see how close next season will be for Carlson to this year. Like that's it's, it's going to be what everyone to be wants to know, but I could see him being an 80 point guy again. He was an 80 point guy before in his career. Right. So him and getting 80 points again, wouldn't be a, a massive shock to me anyway. Yeah. So, well, Frankie, uh, quickly for fun, where do you think Meechkoff is going? And will there be a big trade today involving a proven NHL player, not draft picks? Yes, there will be a trade today involving a proven NHL player. And my predicted draft order is Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Smith. And I think the Flyers end up with Michkov. So at seven, or do they trade up to five? That's to get them? the part I don't know, and okay. I didn't say. Okay, that's the and you know, and that's that's interesting because I think if he gets past San Jose, I think then Montreal will have lots of. It's probably never going to happen again. But just so everyone knows, I did nail the top four in order last year, and that was with Shade Wright going to four. All right. Well, we'll see if you go two for two on that. Blind squirrel finds an acorn two years in a row. That'd be unreal. Got to hydrate. All right. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for our regular uh, Thursday pod and uh, lots of other uh, stuff. Interesting coming tomorrow after the, uh, the NHL day two of the NHL entry draft. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.